0: Welcome to the fifth season of Better News, a series of special podcasts it's all journalism is producing in partnership with the American Press Institute. I'm your host, Michael O'Connell. Better News offers strategies and case studies to help transform newsrooms. The effort is fueled by the American Press Institute and the Knight Lenfest Local News Transformation Fund. The goal of this podcast series is to highlight some of the useful research the American Press Institute has published as part of its Better News initiative. If you want more information about the initiative, visit betternews.org. The San Antonio Express News is the third largest daily paper in Texas, covering one of the country's fastest growing cities. Like many digital news outlets, the Express News needed to find a way to move more people from its newsletters to its digital platform, expressnews.com. Cameron Songer is the newsletter editor at the Express News. He and executive producer Randy Stevenson wrote a report for Better News about how the Express News streamlined its newsletter process and found a way to funnel more people to its digital site. Cameron is here to tell us all about it. Cameron, welcome to Better News. Thanks for having me, Michael. First of all, tell me a little bit about yourself. How did you uh, get interested in journalism and how did you end up at the Express News?
1: So I grew up in, uh, in San Diego, California. I was dreaming of becoming an NBA star, you know, waiting for that growth spurt to be, uh, you know, 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six with a you know 40-inch vertical. When I realized that wasn't happening for me, you know, I kind of shifted to saying, well, if I can't be out there on TV every night, I might as well write about sports or talk about sports. I, You know, I played basketball and ran track in high school, not noteworthy at all in my athletic endeavors. So I, uh, I went to Northwestern Medill School of Journalism. Where, when I got there, all I wanted to do was sports. Then they, they kind of said, No, you actually you need to learn how to become a real journalist and learn how to do all of these things, breaking news, other topics. I'm, I'm super glad they did because it really opened my eyes to a lot of stories that were out there beyond what was happening on a field or on a court or something like that. I was still very passionate about sports. And my first job out of college was as a play by play broadcaster for UNC Pembroke, North Carolina. And I stay active doing high school sports here in Texas, a lot of high school football, but I really found that passion for telling other stories. So uh, after a couple of years in North Carolina, I moved out to San Antonio to be with my girlfriend at the time, who's now my wife. She was already at the Express News. My first job in San Antonio was at Ken's Five, which is the CBS TV station in San Antonio, where I was a digital content producer, uh, mostly working night shifts. So a lot of late nights, uh, doing web, doing social, doing some short form video, so my background was really not at all in newspapers. It was really a lot more in digital and reaching audiences in, in that kind of way. So when I had the opportunity to come to the Express News, the learning curve for me was newspapers and speaking that language. You know, what is 1A? What are these different desks? What are all of these things? You know, you can pick it up pretty quickly with a, you know, with a background in journalism. And obviously, it harkens back to some of the things that you know, they teach you in Journalism 101 at Northwestern. But that's sort of my journalism background is it was sports first then everything else and now having that sort of i guess you could say specialty helps with some of the things that i do on a day to day but the strong fundamentals from school and and then the digital professional experience
0: it's interesting because your your story is, is a little bit different than a lot of people i talk to who are you know they're in a newsroom that's trying to become more digital and you're somebody who your experience was you needed to gain an understanding of print and how that kind of worked. How did you end up sort of having a specialty in um, newsletters? I mean, they were just looking for somebody to give this a try. When I was at Ken's, newsletters wasn't even really that big of
1: a thing. Just in the last few years, a lot more outlets, especially in San Antonio and in Texas, have really started to embrace the importance of newsletters. So for me, it was just kind of like, well, here's this opportunity. Let me learn about it. There's so much out there, a lot of advice, not all of it good, there's a lot of advice out there about what to do with a newsletter program and what are the best practices. And it's been great to be just, a, you know, I'm a lifelong learner and just to try to immerse myself in that and try to stay on top of it and become an expert as much as you can become an expert in something that didn't really exist, you know, definitely not 10 years ago, but I mean, really, even in this form much five years ago, it's
0: something that's really exciting. So what is it about newsletters? I agree with you. I think, you know, people I've talked to in other newsrooms, it's just like suddenly newsletters, which used to be like early on in in the digital transformation, kind of off to the side and like email. I don't know. I don't know if people are going to want to get emails from us. We need to get them to our website or we need to get them to our social media platform. Why the growing and embracing of newsletters, you think?
1: For me, I think it's it's about that personal element, right? The, someone's inbox is, they approach it differently than they would their timeline or their newsfeed or whatever social platform you're on. You're welcoming somebody into your world a little bit more by inviting them into your inbox. You know, a homepage is a lot like the front page of a newspaper, right? There's definitely someone behind it but that process is not very transparent, right? And the Twitter feed, my goodness, that can be completely automated. Same thing a lot of the way with Facebook and some of this other stuff, you don't know if it's, if you're getting served something because an algorithm wants you to see it, or if somebody is really being intentional about how they're showing you this story, for example. And obviously, you know, if you're reading news stuff on a news websites platform, someone clearly wrote it, someone's behind it in some way. But newsletters are great because you can have that personal touch. It's from a person. Someone is writing something to you. And even if it's just, you know, a list of headlines, someone is doing that curation. There's some thought behind it and there's a name behind it for better or for worse. And, you know, I've been fortunate to be able to be that person who gets to say, yeah, these newsletters in San Antonio are from me. And, you know, when something goes well, I can take credit for it. When there's a mistake, then I get to own up to it. And someone can say, hey, you messed this up. And I have to say, yeah, you know, good catch. Thanks for that. Thanks for catching that. You know, we're going to make sure it doesn't happen again. We're working on it. So I think building that trust is so important because inboxes can get really cluttered and full of all kinds of stuff, but having that personal connection, right? There's something that takes time. I'm grateful now, having been there a couple of years, I hope that, you know, having signed hundreds and hundreds of newsletters, some of our readers would at least recognize the name, like, hey, you know, I know who that is, but I don't worry about that too much.
0: Do you feel that because you have this relationship, do people like quote unquote, come to you if they've got a problem with coverage or there's some story like, hey, this guy, you know, I talked to in the, you know, that I get stuff from email box. I'm going to talk to him about this. Do you get a lot of that?
1: That's happened a couple times. And, you know, I've been able to forward that to the appropriate reporter or editor, but a lot of times, yeah, you want to talk about some of the things that are great about being a newsletter is having that pride in that work. But some of the things that are rough about it is, you know, when someone has an issue with their Newspaper delivery, for example, which I don't touch at all—that's a completely different department. Or they're having a problem logging into the website, which, like, I can point them in the right direction, right? But because the email is, you know, "quote unquote" from me, and when they reply to that email, it, it just goes straight to me. It has to go to someone, right? But I mean, it makes the most sense that I am the email person. I end up answering a lot of questions about, or trying to answer a lot of questions about, why didn't I get my paper today? Well, you know, right now in Texas, there's you know ice on the ground and. We're trying to keep our delivery folks safe and stuff like that. So that can be sort of a, my least favorite part of the job, I would say.
0: Yeah. But you know, on the other side, the other side of the coin is, you know, a lot of people are talking about, you know, how can we get engagement from people? And sometimes that's comments, sometimes it's in social media, but the fact that you've sort of established yourself at one level, as the guy people know in um, the News Express's office, you know, as the connection, that it's a type of engagement, whether it's, it's everything you wanted or what, what they want, that doesn't sort of matter. And the other nice thing about it with newsletters, you're given the keys to the reader, to the subscriber, because they're the ones who invite you into their mailbox. And they're the ones who control whether they want to keep hearing from you or not. I assume you're, you're not mass, like sending newsletters to people. Right. Yeah. We're very deliberate
1: about our list and our criteria, obviously having The option to opt out is important, necessary, you know, legally, but even then just kind of having some ways to sort of meter those emails in a way that say, well, hey, we recognize that you haven't opened an email from us in a really long time. or You haven't clicked on something or visited our site in a really long time. We take it to mean you're not really interested in hearing from us anymore. We're going to go ahead and start pulling you back from some of these email lists. So you're not getting the volume because we do have a lot the customization that we would offer, you know, anybody who says, you know, do you want to receive one email, email from us a day or everything, which could be, you might be getting three, four,
0: five emails from us a day. And we have readers who want that and we have readers who don't. And the fact that you have a lot of newsletters, you have 12 newsletters, I guess, is that correct? Something like that. Yeah. Is a lot, a lot of that a lot. comes from the, uh, you know, the
1: fact that, you know, we're a Hearst newsroom that has that two site model. We have the the free site, mysa.com and then the expressnews.com. So those are kind of two different newsrooms that do two different things, but they're all under the same roof. And you know, I kind of oversee the newsletter program for both of them. So there might be readers who would never engage with expressnews.com at all and only want to engage with My Essay and vice versa. And we want to make sure we're serving both of those audiences. So there's kind of already a little bit of a doubling effect, right? We have a morning and an afternoon newsletter for both of them. And both of those offer a breaking news email uh, list. And then there's various special interests or or, or niche topics that are a lot smaller, but the bulk of our email audience is basically there for morning and or afternoon and or breaking from those, from those two sites.
0: What's your criteria for breaking news? Is it just that something is new or does it have to sort of, you know, rise to a certain level of importance? You know, there's a fire at the state house or whatever.
1: Yeah, that's something we're always working on and we're kind of always thinking about because if you only say, we're only going to send a breaking email if the Alamo is on fire or something like that, right? Like huge, catastrophic, then we're never going to send those emails and people who have signed up for that are going to forget that they signed up for that and wonder why the heck is this in my inbox? But if we send an email every time, oh, you know, the breaking news, the Spurs won today, something like that, that's very routine. Maybe not this year, but that is very routine. So it's finding that balance. What is the right number of breaking news emails? And maybe not to think about it per day, but per week, right, over the course of a week. And, and then you say, well, it's bad to set a quota, but just kind of getting an idea of what do we think is right about that sweet spot. And we found recently, you know, it, it had been well, maybe roughly one a day. We have started to find that we're, upping that to try to increase total traffic to maybe three, and there are going to be some people who who trail off and say, actually, this is too much Take me off this list, please. But the number of people who will still open and click on something that we send two or three times a day is great. And is really encouraging to see. So it's definitely not a hard and fast, like this is a very important, huge story that you need to know about right away. The things we have the most success with are not surprising. It's traffic, weather, public safety, those kinds of things, power outages, those are going to be the big ones. And you know, the last couple days and weeks here in San Antonio and South Texas, we've had a lot of that. But in general, if you don't think about breaking news needs to be the capital B biggest story of the day, if you start to think about it that way, I think, at least in our case, the readers are okay with that.
0: Where I work... I mean, we re- recently had to kind of come with a reckoning of how we were using breaking news into each of our communities. And it was like, well, you know, what is breaking news? Is it is it like you said, is it a big story or is it an impactful story? I mean, if there's a you know, tractor trailer, you know, knocked over on the main highway, then, yeah, maybe that's going to impact a lot of people and they want to know it as soon as they can. You know, there's a, something happened at the school board meeting. It's important. But, you know, is it breaking news? You know, right. so. Right. And do we need to send it out in its own special email or does it just go in our daily news email? Yeah. Another thing with that, you mentioned like a school board meeting, the timing of that, I think is also
1: really important because that overturned tractor trailer on the highway, that's happening at rush hour. People want to know that you know before they get in their car and start their commute. Whereas maybe a, a school board meeting that happens at 8 or 9 p.m., even if something important happens there, it can probably wait until the morning newsletter or you know, whatever the next Scheduled email is because people aren't maybe as plugged into their inboxes to find breaking news at nine, nine thirty, ten p.m.
0: How closely do you pay attention to when your audience is active online? Yeah, it's something that we definitely
1: are aware in that the time that people are in their inboxes is different than when they're on Facebook or when they're on Twitter. We found, especially with breaking emails, breaking news alerts, that it does start to tail off after about five p.m. on a weekday. Right, people they want to. Log off their computer, go home from work, and, and then enjoy their day. They might in the evenings, they're more likely to be on their phone and more likely to be on social and things like that. In terms of in the morning, it starts really early. We have a chunk of our audience that they might or might not get the printed paper, but they want the morning headlines, that day's digital version of the paper in their inbox before dawn, whether that means they're reading through it at 5 a.m. or 5 30 a.m., maybe not, but it they want it there. And if it's not there by six thirty seven a.m., we start to notice a trail off. So then throughout the course of the day, you know, the normal nine to five is not surprising that people are kind of plugged in and online and we can reach them through email that way. But it is
0: interesting. So what metrics are you looking at that you think are the most important or are you looking at each of the metrics in different ways and sort of emphasizing them with different newsletters?
1: Yeah, it's definitely dependent on the newsletter. We do have a few newsletters that we either send only to subscribers. So the idea being it's not as important to get you to our website because, you know, we already have that relationship with you. And then there are a couple of newsletters that, yeah, we have decided it's okay that we want you to consume this mostly or only in the inbox. But most of our newsletters, you know, the key thing that we're looking for is can we get people to the site and read this story on the site? The idea being that if you're not a subscriber, you spend time on the site. We want to turn you into a subscriber in that way by having you on the site, reading stories, and then hitting the paywall. So the metric that we're looking at most of the time is click rate. For our big newsletters, it's how many raw clicks and what percentage of the audience are we getting to click through from some link in the email to get to our site. Open rate is important for a while there with the change in Apple mail and how that was handled. It kind of threw off some of our measurements, but we've seemed to kind of leveled out there and found a new normal. It is a little bit higher than it maybe used to be just because of the way things are measured. But what we're looking at, I would say 90% of the emphasis is on click rate.
0: Okay. So getting them to the site, that that's your priority. How often do you cull your lists? I mean, do you look at inactivity? I think you kind of mentioned that before and at various points you decide to sort of narrow down that list. I mean, obviously you want to get more people to subscribe, but how active are you at sort of winnowing people who are inactive? That's
1: happening all the time. It's happening constantly. Uh, we use a uh, sail through for our emails and we have the ability to check basically when is the last time somebody clicked and opened an email. And if someone hits that marker, I think it's you know 90 days, for example, it's pretty aggressive just to try to avoid spam traps from us as a sender. Basically, it's rolling. So if someone is at 88, 89, 90, and then they could fall off the list. So it's not like we're manually doing that. It's all happening in the background for us, which is really helpful.
0: And why do you do that? Why is it important to do that? Well, I guess you said that the spam traps, but there are other reasons you want to do that?
1: Yeah, just kind of the idea of our reputation, right? Whether that's within the inbox, you know, as a provider, whether Gmail or Yahoo was looking at it and saying, wow, this Express News, they're sending a bunch of emails that no one's clicking on. Let's stop delivering it so highly in inboxes for people who actually maybe do want to read it. But just as a community brand, as a community voice, you don't want somebody's opinion of the Express News in our case. And whether it comes up you know, casually at a conversation just between some, some person, oh, the Express News, man, they just won't stop emailing you. Those jerks. We don't want to be that, right? Because maybe someday you change your mind, whether that's six months, a year, two years from now, you say, well, you know, at the time I thought I wanted emails from you and then I didn't and you respected that I didn't. So I stopped opening them. And now, you know, I really want to read the newspaper again, where maybe if we had just continued emailing them the whole time, they would never have the chance to maybe change their mind. They would just have a negative opinion of us and we would just be those jerks who just can't stop emailing them and they can't find the unsubscribe button for whatever reason. It's just a way of being a good member of the community, I think.
0: So how does the fact that um, the News Express is also publishing in print, I mean, how does that factor into the newsletter? I mean, I imagine somewhere in the print paper it says, hey, sign up for our newsletters. But do you add people's addresses to a list, and you try to solicit them to get them to sign up? I mean, how does that work?
1: Yeah, so when I started here at the Express News. You know, we had a variety of email newsletters and one of them was just, we're going to send a replica of the print paper. I mean, not just a link to you, the PDF, but literally all of the headlines that are in the paper kind of organized. So these are the ones that are on 1A, 3A, business, sports, opinion, lifestyle, and just like all of these sections that, you know, whatever's on the cover, you were getting those as headlines in a newsletter too. So We did that for a while, then we kind of thought, well, what utility is this serving? And we decided to kind of combine it with another morning newsletter, make it more of a briefing, make it more digitally focused and less tied directly to the print product. But working with the print editors and the print team, for me, in terms of curating a newsletter, a big morning newsletter that goes to our biggest audience, it's a great guide rail, right? I can kind of know, well, I think this story is clickable. It's interesting. It's digital, but you probably don't think it's as newsworthy. That might be buried four or five pages into the Metro section. Maybe I shouldn't play that up as highly in the newsletter. Maybe I shouldn't lead the newsletter with that. It's a nice check, right? Because you can look at live traffic data on your site, right? And see what people are clicking on. And it might not be the most important capital J journalism story of the day. The morning newsletter doesn't have to lead with the same story. That's the 1A print lead but it also probably shouldn't just be a really salacious crime that people happen to be clicking on. That probably isn't where you want to lead your newsletter either. So helping to find that balance.
0: I would imagine, for example, if you have a sports newsletter and maybe somebody doesn't subscribe to the morning newsletter, but they're going to want to get their sports information in the sports newsletter. So even though you may include that information in the, in the morning newsletter, that's not kind of what they're coming to you for. What are some of the mistakes you think that people make? when they're doing their newsletters, what are some of the common things that you found?
1: Yeah, I think one of the first things would be just kind of in terms of like the growth of the newsletter, it's not really enough just to have it. And I think people who spend enough time online, whether you're just trying to grow your own following on Twitter, or, you know, whether you're trying to sell something, it's not enough just to have a great newsletter product, you really have to promote it, but you also have to be smart about how you're promoting it trying to reach people who already have some kind of engagement with something else you're doing and say, we think you would be interested in this. You know, we already know that you like X, so we think you probably also like Y. Whether that's a a new newsletter or an existing newsletter, that's a big thing. And then just kind of recognizing what is working. When you start a newsletter, people aren't probably going to tell you, hey, your newsletter sucks, or hey, I wish you would do more of this and less of this. They're not going to write you that. They're not going to call you and tell you that you need to be looking at their behaviors and how people are voting with their feet. Is your list growing? Is it shrinking? What stories are the ones that people are clicking on? What kind of subject lines, when the way you write a subject line, what draws more opens and what draws less opens? Which stories are the ones that people are clicking on? Is there a point in which people stop scrolling and clicking in an email? That can tell you a lot about how to modify your newsletter, how to reposition, maybe an angle that you tend to take on certain things. It's always changing for us too. Like I said, we have that constant, for lack of a better word, churn of we're kind of always losing a, a few people who are getting less engaged and we're hopefully adding more people. And as that audience changes, the average of the whole audience, what they want to see probably changes a little bit too. So we have to kind of always be adapting and changing you know, not necessarily complete overhaul every month or something, but just being aware of what's going to help us reach our goals for audience size, total opens, total clicks, click rate.
0: And I probably should have followed up with something you said earlier. And when you're talking about, you know, picking which stories you're going to put in a newsletter and prioritizing various stories, you know, how involved are the different section editors and reporters in telling you You know, these are really important stories. These really kind of need to be what the focus is.
1: I've been really fortunate that, you know, really, ever since I started as the newsletter, the Express News, there hasn't been anyone really over my shoulder saying, you need to lead this newsletter with this. They really have been great about giving me the reins and trusting me to make the decision. And it's it's a collaborative process. There's a bunch of people on the digital team I work with who are great at saying, I would move this up, I'd move this down. Are you sure you want to lead with this? How have we done in the past when we lead with something like this? That's one of the great things about the fact that I've been here for a few years now and have maybe just like a little bit of a memory to say, I remember we we led a newsletter a couple months ago with something about this story. Let me go back and look at how it did. That's a great kind of starting point is saying, well, the last time we led this afternoon newsletter with a story about... This neighborhood and real estate in this neighborhood, or something like that, it did this well, so we should expect that it would do something, something, you know, something like that. But yeah, there's, there's never really someone who says you should do this, you should do that. I, I mentioned that, you know, I see the print budget every day, and I have an idea of generally what they're planning. Sometimes in the afternoon, as we're kind of that newsletter kind of comes together quickly, we call it the 210 report, which the area code for San Antonio, so that's kind of a fun little touch. But as things are coming in, we might, might not have the story yet. It might not be over in our CMS, but I can ping one of the editors and say, hey, is something else coming? They'll say, hey, this story is coming. Hang on. You know, this might make a great lead. They're usually right. They have a good sense for that. But just in terms of the, the day-to-day planning, it's for me, it's looking at the print budget and also looking at what has done well on our site. Our digital team does a great job of curating a homepage. And we have a, an audience that does come to the homepage. We do get a lot of our traffic from newsletters. So sometimes the best indicator for whether a story is going to do well in a newsletter isn't whether it's doing well on Facebook, but whether it did well in another newsletter and because those audiences are different. So it really is a, a great team effort between what we do digitally and what's happening on the, the print side. I have to give a huge shout out to September Downing, who's really the, the liaison between what we do on the digital team and, and what's happening on print.
0: So and I want to remind everybody to make sure they go to betternews.org to read the report that Cameron and uh, Randy Stevenson had done about how they sort of streamlined the process and, and I guess got you to be the, the one person who's sort of overseeing the newsletters. You'll find those answers there. But before we go, do you have one tip that you would give to people or maybe two more than one, but do you have a tip that you, you can give to people about newsletters?
1: Yeah, I think the biggest thing about newsletters, and I stress this across our newsroom, whenever, you know, I take vacation or I'm out on the weekend, someone's covering is the most important thing about a newsletter is the subject line, you know, you're not going to get someone to click through your site if they don't open the email in the first place. And one of the things that I'm continuing to have to stress myself and teach myself about subject lines is they show up differently on desktop and on mobile and on different mobile things. I kind of think about it as like, you know, who's the person who has an old iPhone, one of the you know skinnier ones, and they have the text really big because, you know, they can't see it as well. How many characters are you getting at the front of that subject line before it cuts off on their Apple mail or whatever? It's not that many characters. It's maybe 40 characters. So how many words is that and how would you write that and to make sure you're getting the words. It's not just like you're writing Google key search words. It's its own thing. It's not a social headline because in social, you're getting a photo to go with. You can show something interesting on social and explain why this interesting photo is out there. You can't do that in an email subject line. You're getting a couple of words. So writing that great subject line, it's an art form a little bit because it's such a a challenge. How closely can you toe the line of being clickbait without making readers feel like you're just you're playing a game with them to see if you can get them to click but you have to convey what's happening, why it's important, you know, what's going on a little bit, but also you can't just give all the information away in a subject line because then someone would have no reason to click in at all. So the first two or three words, super important. And then not giving away the whole thing. The subject lines, I think is, you know, I've been doing this for a few years. I still wish I could write better subject lines and, It's something you can spend a lot of time on and maybe not make that big of a difference. It might not feel like you make that big of a difference, but it could be the difference between reaching that reader or
0: not. Yeah. Yeah. Headlines, subject lines really suck because you're also balancing search. And it's terrible when you have like an old newspaper person who comes with some really clever headline that has no search, that has no, that is not in that 40 character limit so it's not going to get clicked on. And then having to explain to them, no, no, this is not a good headline for what I'm doing, but certainly you can put it on, on, your, on the website.
1: You can put it in print. We might have, I mean, obviously, this is where
0: something like A-B testing is super helpful.
1: That print headline doesn't work as well on social. And then for email, you're probably writing your own version of that to get the keywords in front. You know, you can get it, you can get a subject line up to 80 characters and it'll still show on somebody's desktop gmail or something but knowing that it's probably cutting off after 40 characters on your uh, apple apple mail on your phone
0: yeah and maybe you should be you know leaving with the you know that doesn't need to be the get that out of the way that's like uh, and space. you know on, on, on social,
1: social here's why this if those are your first three words on you know that's probably getting <laughs> deleted out of somebody's inbox they're not even going to read past here's why i don't
0: i don't care why is this important to me cameron this has been great lots of good information here and again i I encourage everybody to go to check out the piece about the san antonio news Express's newsletter strategy I've been talking to Cameron Songer, uh, the newsletter editor at the San Antonio News Express, about how the newspaper simplified its newsletter format and workflow. I'm Michael O'Connell, host of the Better News podcast. Cameron, thanks for coming on the podcast. It's a pleasure. Thank you, Michael. Thanks for listening to Better News, a co-production of the American Press Institute and It's All Journalism. API's Better News initiative offers strategies and case studies to help transform newsrooms. You can find out more about the Better News Initiative and this podcast at betternews.org.